The Fire Store, equipping protectors with passion. Every decision the Fire Store makes as a company is about its customers. As the holiday season has quickly approached, explore a wide selection of unique and practical gifts at the Fire Store's gift center. Find the perfect presence for firefighters, EMTs, and first responders today. The Fire Store's goal is to get you the gear you need when you need it at prices you can afford. Visit thefirestore.com for everything but the truck and shop its family of brands including Streamlight, MSA, Lion, Fleer, and more. Welcome to Tailboard Talk with Chris Rasmussen, Craig Nelson, and Jeff Wallen. Every month we explore different topics of interest to you, our cohorts in fire and emergency services. So whether you sit back and listen, sound off on the message board, or call in live to be part of the conversation, we welcome you to join us in our mission to improve the fire service for those we serve and those we serve beside. Now coming to you live from the Great White North, this is Tailboard Talk on Fire Engineering Talk Radio. Hey, welcome to Tailboard Talk for Friday, November 17th, 2023. This is Jeff. This is Craig. And Chris. And Matt. No, we don't introduce you no, until later. Oh, yes. <laughs> Gotta get this get straight. Hey, I liked it. I don't know what these guys promise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting old and crotchety. That's my problem. And you well, know, it's time right now, Jeff, for the annual weather. Well, I know. And that's another reason that I'm crotchety here because, uh, you know, it's, it's winter's closely approaching. For the all the older north. listeners, we got to yeah. cover the weather. There we go. We're. Uh, we're uh, experiencing a nice heat wave in the end of fall here and just having 50s and 60s again where it was snowing and there's snow on the ground just a couple of weeks ago. So I'm taking advantage of every week that we have without snow and it can continue to February as long as I'm concerned. Uh, we were going to talk about the differences in winter firefighting and summer firefighting, but we got a more interesting guest here. So luckily we can move off the weather. One day we'll get the whole weather show. The whole show? The whole show and nothing but the <clears throat> I don't even know how to spell El Nino. <laughs> wasn't he a baseball player i think so lefty <laughs> he was in the minors though wasn't he doesn't matter he's a pro <laughs> played for two days in dc i guess that makes him pro so how you guys been been a month i guess jeff since we've seen you yeah no i've been i've been doing all right uh doing some last minute work out in the yard and kind of stumbled over some stuff and fell back into a pile of logs that i had uh set crisscross wise and uh kind of wrecked my ribs a little bit so Ooh. i've been just kind of lessing on the couch in between shows it's another old, I don't guy. Even know another old guy thing yeah, i don't even know, I know what to say about that I'd, I'd make more fun of him but i've tripped recently too so i'm just gonna lay off that. i could i couldn't make it out to my morning coffee with the rest of the guys to talk about what hurts and how my wife doesn't like me anymore <laughs> got up early in the dark to go for coffee tripped <laughs> I did, uh, just, so, just so everyone knows out there that I did get my snowblower on my tractor. I usually like to wait till the first blizzard, so I'm way ahead of the game. That's what brought the heat wave on. Yeah. Oh, sure. Should, that should take that. care of the winter for us, fellas. Yeah, I got the plow on the old truck there. Yep, <laughs> got to get the batteries replaced because they're not doing so hot there and the brakes seem a little squishy, so we've got to check some things out. I don't know. I'm really ready for the snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. It's good to catch up always. Uh, yeah, Matt, you got to be glad you joined this, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, a little unorganized in the beginning. Unorganized. You didn't notice, did you? 
Nope. So little he's afraid to talk now. <laughs> he said, hi, I'm Matt, and you guys just squashed. Yeah, you squished him. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome, don't just, talk. Just like being in the fire station. I do want to say we're a little unorganized in the end, and we're just a little unorganized during the middle of the show, but otherwise it runs pretty smooth. <laughs> so it should be good. So what? Uh, what's the topic today? What's going on? Did you guys pick one? I think that's why we brought a guest here. Oh, that's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and truth be told, we worked out the details of the topic for tonight uh, five minutes ago. <laughs> Got things kind of squared away about where we were going. There's so many, well, so many different directions we could go. Everyone will get to meet our new guest. But when he walked in the door, I knew exactly what the topic was going to be. You want to introduce yourself, Matt? Hello. Again, it's a little disorganized in the beginning, <laughs> maybe just a little in the end. Uh, my name is Matt Brand. I am a battalion chief with Moorhead Fire Department. Hi, Matt. <laughs> Formerly uh, captain with the Fargo Fire Department. Um, spent 20 years with Fargo and then accepted a position to go to Moorhead. So uh, I counted up yesterday, actually, because you know how time flies. Uh, I was convinced in my head I had been there eight weeks. It has been 12 weeks. Wow. Uh, and I don't know where the time has gone. One of us. One of us. <laughs> <laughs> how far How far is Moorhead from Fargo? Long ways. Yeah. Long ways. Right across the river. Right across the river. Okay. Okay. A little more than a stone's throw. <clears throat> well, I really thought this would be an interesting topic because we're, we're seeing more of lateral transfer and promotional transfers in the fire service. It's, it's becoming more commonplace in, in Fargo right now. We're actually working on a lateral transfer process for firefighters. And uh, I, I think we're going to see more of this. And so I, I thought it'd be really nice for listeners to hear the perspective of somebody that's actually made the jump from one fire department to another. Cause as similar as I, I would guess a lot of the things are, there's probably some things that are not a lot different, but just done differently or different policies, SOGs, et cetera. Right. No, I think it's, uh, we always preach you should get out and look at other departments and see what's going on. Well, now we have an individual with us that is uh, got a front view seat, front row seat uh, on different two different departments that are actually just right across the river from each other. And another thing that might make, might make it a little more interesting, we are also used to mutualating with each other on a fairly regular basis. So you weren't completely unfamiliar with the Moorhead Fire Department before you left Fargo Fire. Um, and so I'm really interested in getting your take now that you've made that jump. What's different that you might not have expected? And just to give the audience some perspective, the city of Fargo is just a little bit larger than the city of Moorhead. So they're operating out of seven fire stations and the city of Moorhead is currently operating out of two. And so there are just going to be differences of scale that happen in the amount of resources that come to incidents and um, perhaps certain levels of organization. And I don't want to put words in your mouth. So, um, hey, what did you notice on that first emergency incident that uh, that was a little bit of a worker and sheer numbers? That was, that was the hard that was the hard realization was uh, we were dispatched to a structure fire um, with a gentleman that had disappeared back in the house. Uh, then we soon got radioed that he was on top of the roof or an individual was on top of the roof. And uh, at that time, I was on scene at the local tank farm with uh, <clears throat> another engine. And we had gotten calls for 
fire alarms or their flame sensor was going at the tank farm. So as we were looking and investigating at the tank farm, we looked up to the sky and saw massive back black plumes of smoke and then got radio that there was possible rescue and a possible individual on the roof. Um, it was a tough realization that we don't have the numbers. Um, staffing that day, I think was an engine of four and an engine of three and myself. Mm -hmm. and when I arrived on scene, I quickly called a second alarm to get mutual aid partners going as soon as I left that tank farm. And, uh, it, it was a quick realization that what I like to say is, uh, I had enough people in Fargo to throw numbers at it. Mm -hmm. You don't have that luxury in the city of Moorhead. Um, even on a requesting a callback, I think we had one or two guys from the department that were off duty come in on a callback. So we relied heavily on engine one from Fargo and Dilworth fire. And, uh, it was a <clears throat> tough, quick realization that when you come from across the river where you have seven engines, two ladders and two battalion chiefs, you have two engines. That was, uh, it's quite the shocker for the yeah. first structure fire. And Dilworth is a paid on call department. So you're never sure if you're going to get just a few people or if you're going to get a lot of people, it's a roll of the dice see what shows up. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it, it was, it was great because it was familiar. It was very familiar to see the Fargo guys. You know, I was only a month removed at that time from being on the truck in Fargo. So it was great to work with those guys. And then I believe one of the, the, the guy on the hose from Dilworth volunteer fire department was a uh, Fargo firefighter. So that familiarity really helped, but it also looked pretty dicey as that guy standing in a plume of brown smoke going, that's a lot of brown smoke. And there's a guy standing on the roof. <laughs> um, and I don't have too many more resources quickly. So it was, it was that was a shock. That was a, um, hadn't been on the department long enough to mentally plan that one out. It's kind of baptism by fire. And we've, we've, we worked with you for 20 plus years, Matt, and, and, uh, you filled in as uh, acting BC quite often in Fargo. So yeah, I, I'm guessing it was a shock to, uh, usually add your rhythm that you would normally do and, and the things that BCs and maybe a larger department just kind of roll with. Because <clears throat> you have the staffing, but now you have you're understaffed a little bit. So interesting, but can you do it? Uh, I mean, that was you did it right. Proof in point. Yeah, it got done. Right, it got done. What but it was, was a lot. It was there was a lot of a lot of stress there watching the conditions. I and I wish I had, I wish I had uh, some some video of that of how dire it looked with that guy on the roof when I pulled on scene. Cause you've never had a guy in the roof with your house on fire before. No, <laughs> 20, God. 20 years, uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff, but not a guy on the roof. That's okay. Cause he was just waiting for you to arrive. So you could help him off the roof, right? <laughs> yeah. He waited eight and a half to nine hours Jeez. before he finally came off the roof. Yep. So you ended up extinguishing the fire around the guy on the roof. Yep. Before he came off. Yeah. Sounds like a good save to me. <laughs> I, I, I sat through a, a session at FDIC one time, and it was a very one of the most important sessions I ever sat through. 
and I hope this is probably 10 years ago or so, but um, they probably had six or seven departments up on the stage and they went through some fire scenarios. And it was pretty interesting to see because they went all the way from a volunteer department and I'm not sure what size it was, but it was all volunteer mm-hmm. all the way to FDNY. And uh, they went down the line and how they would handle this fire. And this was a single, a small house fire, one bedroom type situation. The first individual was, was uh, a volunteer chief and he was dinging multiple alarms, countywide mutual aid. He was doing all these things. And as it got, as it moved down the line to bigger departments, you know, it changed a little bit. They got the FDNY and then they just said, well, we just pick it up and throw it in the river. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense. And I learned a lot just by watching that, you know, that, that uh, class or that session. Mm-hmm. Uh, so shout out to FDIC if you ever get there. It's a fantastic uh, get to the sessions. But, but yeah, I'm guessing you were feeling the same way. Uh, Big you know, time. Yeah. So with that call, did you end up um, issuing multiple assignments to the same companies or assignment after assignment without maybe some of the normal standing down, turning around, getting reassigned? Or how did you end up handling all the tasks that needed to be done with only two to four resources? Uh, If I remember right, it was, so it was a older house that was split into two apartments Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just knock down what you could kind of punch it and then readjust. And it was just sending the crews. There was no luxury of, Hey, coming out, grabbing a bottle, grabbing a bottle of water for the first, first couple cycles. It was crew in. If you're coming back out, hurry up, get a bottle. Cause I need you again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because it was multiple different fire locations. So there was the fire in the front, fire in the back. So it made it a lot more challenging. So it's very clear that, I mean, I saw the news articles and understand and talk to some other guys, but it's very clear that this guy started the fire several different locations in this place and then went up to the roof. I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah, I get, you know, it's an intentionally, in my view, reading the paper, not Matt's view, not Jeff's view, mm-hmm. um, intentionally set fire that this guy was, uh, end up being up there. So, Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the differences between two departments and then across the nation, if you jump departments, you're going to have size differences, um, geographic location differences, um, fire problem, you know, wildland fires or metro fires type situations. But uh, how about uh, let's move into uh, maybe uh, leadership a little bit because you have an outside group. You're coming in as a fresh new guy from a neighboring department um what was your first concerns i guess without getting into any politics or anything like that but mm-hmm. you know just being a just being a new battalion chief what was it doesn't even matter if you switch departments what being a new battalion chief what is that i i think it matters big time you know when you switch departments mm-hmm. uh, the whole thought process was tread lightly sure. um we all understand. We all understand the what's the saying? 150 years of tradition, <laughs> unimpeded by progress. <laughs> you know, uh, you uh, you don't go into some other place and tell them this is how we did it in Fargo. Right. right. <laughs> now, 
I you apologize. can. I apologize to the guys a lot during that first week because I would say we, I still do it. I say we. Mm-hmm. We in Fargo. Yeah. And I don't mean any disrespect by that, but it's 20 years of learning one system. Right. Um, it's, a, it's a tough adjustment. And the guys understand that. The, the crews that I'm with, <clears throat> trying to see their side of, you know, I'm trying to see their perspective. And when you really appreciate different personalities, because sure. there are some that will sit down and have the discussion with you and are willing to see a different perspective. And there are some that this isn't Fargo. Get out of here with that. And they're right. Mm-hmm. They're right. It's not. But be willing to look look at it. Because, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Uh, in 20 years with Fargo, it was the same thing. There was still the same personalities. The same personalities that were very passionate that said, no, this is the way it ought to be. This is the way it should be. Without being able to take a step back and go look at the bigger picture. That's very hard. Sure. Because as a firefighter, you think you know. You think you're connected. (laughs) And you're in a different position now, right? So you're you're upper middle management. (laughs) (laughs) When everybody asks asks me, they're like, how's the job going? My standard answer is it's the same job, but it's completely different. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, just a simple thing. How easy was it for you to process your first payroll and be comfortable that you had just done a simple task so that people could get paid at the end of the two week pay period. Horrible. <laughs> Made uh, sure yours got done. I called <laughs> Start I, with me. <laughs> I called, I called the secretary in Fargo and thanked her. I called, <laughs> I called her and said, I cannot tell you how much nobody understands how much you do. They don't, they don't have a clue. You just get paid. It's not that hard. <laughs> and then uh, we had a good discussion. Because it's the same system. We're using the same, you know, the same staffing system, a little bit different on the payroll side. But I still, there are still lots of those things where I'm like, why, why do we do it this way here? And then I still, I'm still wading through that different items where it's like, can somebody explain how this process has worked or how you've gotten to it? Mm-hmm. So there's plenty of those things. Payroll, payroll is still challenging. I send, I send several emails, uh, a payroll, probably one a payroll period to the payroll lady, apologizing and asking questions. <laughs> Sorry, can you please clarify this? And if I do it wrong, can you please tell me how you would like to do it? Because um, that is that is a challenge. Mm-hmm. How about that? I mean, I, kn- I know you've known those guys in Morehead for quite a few years, <clears throat> some of them. I think I think I was about seventy percent of the guys I was familiar with. Right, that's pretty good. So it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a night and day come in blind. So you had to you had to pull in that parking lot and sat in your truck for a couple mm-hmm. minutes, thinking, "What's is going to go on when I walk in this door?" I don't remember it. I just remember being excited. I just yeah. remember being excited because it's hey, you're the new guy. You want to make a big difference. You yeah. want. You want to help. You want to help the department grow. Help the department be better. Right. Are they going to have a big surprise with balloons when I walk through the door? (laughs) (laughs) So big big cake and big party going on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's different when you get promoted inside internally in your own department. Um, you know, you kind of you, you kind of know everybody that's around. You sit around the kitchen table. Mm-hmm. I you know, and I I recommend all captains do this. Give their expectations of their crews. Guess, and you might not want to give a lot of expectations when you walk in the door in a new department. I struggle with that to this day, oh. um, because it, the expectation uh, birdie sits on the shoulder and goes, "Should you or shouldn't have you done that?" I did not do it. Oh. I, I did not sit down and go, "Here's my expectations." But there's been several instances in the last month where I went, I didn't think I need to tell you that. <laughs> well, it, I think that's it's uniquely yeah. difficult because that's part of, I think they'd say, good leadership is you you set down your expectations. No matter what rank you're at as a supervisor, because then you let people know what what you want them to do, how you want them to do it, et cetera. They can be successful then. Yep. But in this situation, going in and then setting expectations right away is could have a really bad impact. Negative. So, yeah. So, yeah. So then it's, well, how long do you wait? I'm, you know, still, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still, still waiting, I'm still tossing that around because, yeah. because it is, it is big. And, and I went, you know what, this is going to, I'm going to come in and sit down and just be like, this is, I, we did have that discussion. This is who I am. This is how I expect things. The guys were really thrown for a loop that first Saturday I worked. They came back from a run and I'm, I got a drill out with a brush on it. I'm, I'm power brushing the leather seats in the bat in the bat vehicle. And the one guy comes up and goes, I gotta ask, do you expect this type of cleaning from all of us? <laughs> Saturday is a cleanup day at Moorhead Fire. And, and I because they were like, This guy's crazy. I don't know. Not until you've dusted above the door sills. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Not to all the vents inside the station are clean. You should be fine. <laughs> and I was just gonna bring that up too, because station KP, um, there's a cultural element that goes along with that, not just a, well, we know what should be done for keeping a facility clean and sanitary enough, or at least there was a standard during COVID that maybe people were a lot more familiar with universally across the country than day to day. But there've got to be at least a dozen different ways that career departments approach their cleanup and none of them are wrong. They're just how their organization does that. And then internally, there'll be differences from, one station captain to another to another, but exactly how they take their cultural detail to what level or not. So yeah, trying to get a picture for what that is, where you're going, where it was, where it came from, and what are they expecting as far as any kind of a change or a difference, or am I supposed to fit in, go along, where where are we at on there? And there's, I'm sure you got really clear direction from your fire chief about that when you started too, right? <laughs> Of here's exactly what we want you to do in all these situations. Heck, half half the time when we're covering something new, since I've known you before, I just assume you know everything I know about Moorhead Fire. Because why not? You're you've had a lot of experience in the fire service, and it can't be that much different over in Fargo. And I think for most of us, we don't think that all the little teeny tiny things are different that are different. Because like you said, everything is the same, but everything is. Completely. Everything is different, completely right. different. It's a, it's a culture, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's different cultures. Uh, I'm not saying one culture is better than the other. I'm just saying there's different cultures. And you've got to walk into an organization and learn the new culture. As an outsider. Yeah. Yep. And help influence the culture. Yep. And that's, that's important too. That's still, you know, you set timelines in your head. You're like, okay, I realize what I'm going into. I realize I'm an outsider. You're not going to come in and kick the door down and say, this isn't working. This is right. the way it has to change. It, you know, unless it's wildly a, a safety issue, which as a career department, 
you shouldn't run into much of that, but yeah. it's, it's those little quirks and little changes that you got to get used to. And let's face it, a lot of us, a lot of us in the firefighting world, borderline on that OCD line real quick where it's like, oh, why do you do things this way? Because you're not used to it. I've had 20 years of one way. Right. So what I'm asking the guys to think of that different perspective and see that difference, I have to do it myself. So, so it's kind of a good eye opener for you because just because you did it for 20 years in another department doesn't mean that's the right way either. Right. You know, so that's something that you have to. But that's, that's what I, I mean. I, I've always felt that I've always felt that way from the Fargo fire department. Also, there were several things that we did as a Fargo fire department. That was, I was like, why do we do it this way? Mm -hmm. Like, let's ask other departments how they do it. Right. And, and why do we, why must we reinvent the wheel? There were some of those things where we got hung up on a Fargo. It was like, hey, Fargo's way is the best way. Right. So what, what are some of those things that you didn't see coming that, that were different or that you thought would be the same that were different? Um, again, it, I think Jeff just said it, but it was, it's that you kind of, yeah, it's another fire department. They work the same shift schedule, et cetera. I'm sure there are things that, oh my gosh, I never even thought of that. Are there any of those that come to mind that you're like, oh my gosh. Biggest thing right now that I'm struggling with that I just got bit 417 this morning on a fire alarm call, alarm panel keys. Like ah. I thought, I thought Fargo Fire Department's alarm panel keys was a little bit of a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing compared to what more. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So this morning I went through a key loop of 40 keys in an alarm. Ooh. couldn't find one like there's no rhyme or reason you just you just go and go and go and go and you can't find it and then engine one hands me his keys and there's 60 to 65 keys i suppose and he's like here try these I'm like, <laughs> he's like don't you guys have cd cases yeah <laughs> i know I, I so i've been meaning to reach out you know, hey, where'd maybe. you guys get those cd cases? well there's your first actually first shot of making a difference Huge. uh you know improving that system maybe is, is something you want to look at I, yeah, I, it's, you know, there's lots of ideas out there and I'm still in that, like, reach out to other people and say, hey, what do you guys do? You know, the internet's a great tool. I haven't sent out a, a request yet. Sure. I've talked to other departments and they're, they're kind of floundering in the same spot. You know, that's, the regional partners are like, we don't really have a good idea. That's you know? why I laugh because it's, there's not probably a really good way to do it no. or we'd all be doing it that way. Right. right. And so we've all come up with these systems that are kind of just a band-aid for carrying a bunch of keys and trying to organize. Yeah. Them. Our system hasn't changed in 30 years, Matt. Don't touch it. Um, <laughs> it looks, it, works just fine for me. It still works. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, those are just little tiny things that it's tiny, but when you're standing there and the alarms are going off at four fifteen in the yeah. morning, and the guy's looking at you. The one guy that stayed in the lobby <laughs> looks at you and gets mad and goes, that's a lot of keys. You go, I know. Yeah. I, none of them work. <laughs> I'll get this quieted down in just a little while. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, one. of course, it's e two. three blocks from the station. You know, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Those are little things. That obviously, you got to get used to um, of how you operate. Um, What's the, what, you know, as a new battalion chief, what is your goal? I mean, I, I know that's a big word, but what is your goal for your, 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 not only your personal goals, but your department goals, the, the future, you know, what is, 
Um, that's just being a new battalion chief. And I'm not saying because you switched departments. I'm just saying as a new battalion chief. As a new battalion chief, I think I think my first goal overall is always safety. Okay. Um, that's the the biggest thing that that I care about. I mean, it, what two years ago? Two years ago in January, I had two maydays within 20 minutes to fall through the floors in a right. order house. That changes your perspective real quick. Yeah. Um, brutal. Brutal, brutal firefight. Brutal to have two. Well, one guy was on my crew. You know, I was filling in as a battalion chief. One guy was my firefighter. So safety for me is just keep everybody safe. I mean, that's the thing. You want everybody to go home. Um, <clears throat> personal goals is I live in the city of Moorhead. You know, that yeah. that was one thing about me transitioning to this department was I live there. And I've always thought, how do they do it? <laughs> you know, you see, you see the staffing, you see the amount of people that um, Fargo Fire brings to a structure fire. And then you look at the department you're going to, and as a taxpayer, sure. I want it changed. As a battalion chief, I want it changed. Right. So goal would be, to, the goal for me would be to help however we can do to get that, whatever we can do to get that to be more staffing, more stations, um, to make it, I mean, there, there's the end all goal safe, right? Because it's very, very hard to do what we do, um, with small staffing numbers. It's a, it's a grueling job. And then when you look at it and go, you just have two, two engines, seven guys on duty um yikes right yeah those are i mean obviously those are great goals to have I i would like to add a goal for you is to leave the department better than when you were there you know what i mean get prepared the next generation yeah um um for those changes because you're not going to see uh eight nine stations and morehead in your career but in 50 years you might so prepare those guys uh, for those those time those moments to take your spot to be better at the battalion chief than you are. So cool, yeah. good. Um, I have a lot of questions. And Matt and I have been friends for a long time, so it, it's uh, it's I struggle sometimes with asking Matt questions because I know I don't want you to say things that you need to be uh, um, a new battalion chief. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask uh, ask one. Have you changed your perspective on something that has surprised you since you moved to an organization with a different type of staffing model? Either perception about what's possible or what's not possible, or what might be an acceptable tactic or strategy to a situation. Uh, you know, just a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you'd hear it from you'd hear it from Moorhead firefighters in the past that. You have to be the jack of all trades and not that Fargo guys don't have to be the jack of all trades. It's just up a notch. It's up a notch when you have seven guys, 11 mm-hmm. guys max on duty in a day. So you're expected to know everything, which is a little bit tough because I struggled with that. I struggled with that when Craig and I started, I was like, you should know everything. You should know tech rescue. You should know hazmat. You should know firefighting. You should know everything. <laughs> it's not possible. 
you know, and I still to this day struggle with that because I feel like you should have a grasp of, you should just be able to know it all. As I've gotten older, uh, there's no more room up. There's no room up there for, for filling it uh, with stuff anymore. You try to, you try to learn and, you know, my, my brain now has shifted to leadership and management, effective leadership and management, um, as opposed to more hazmat. Hazmat was my wheelhouse for all those years. And now it's like, listen, there's people to do that. You just need to manage, but how are you going to manage and how can you be the best manager for that job? That's, that's the goal now is to take in and be the sponge where it's like, how can you be the best leader to a bunch of guys who not sure if they trust you yet? Sure. That's, that's, that's the tough thing. That's a big word. I mean, trust is a big word, isn't it? I mean, I think we're all, we're all uh, always um, concerned, not concerned, but proving, proving trust. You know, we're always trying to do those things uh, no matter what position you are in the fire department. And, you know, now you have an outside guy coming in. Uh, I think uh, trust is a big word, man. I'm glad you, you've said that. Uh, and in much larger organizations, you might face the same issue upon promotion. You get moved from one district to another on another shift, sure. and there's no hope of those people knowing you. Maybe they've heard a couple stories, if anything, but um, but it's it's got to be compounded by the fact that you're trying to adjust to a different culture. And all the unwritten rules that we have, we wrote down and we gave you a book when you started too. So that way you'd know where all the pitfalls are and you'd know before you step into something. And it was only two pages long, so it was an easy read. And I'm sure you're already up to speed on all of our policies because they've got to be the same as Fargo's because how many ways can you tell people to do your job right and don't get in trouble and be nice, you know? Survive, prevent harm, and be nice. That's our whole book. There you go. That's all you need to know. So... Yeah, that trust has got to be there when you're moving from one organization to the other. But you don't have the support of the cultural backbone of the organization, hopefully being the same from district to district in a much larger organization. Yeah, it's it it is weird. It is it's the the differing levels. You know, I can see I can see that where you're in a big enough department, you don't know. It's very similar to moving here, where you don't know where Fargo is in the middle ground. You know everybody. You work right. with everybody. And you had twenty years of uh, developing trust. Yes, or losing trust. You had one day to get trust in a new department. So yeah, I could see that being a challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd find it hard to just imagine issuing orders on that very first incident when you haven't built a relationship yet. I, I think I would enjoy it actually going over to your department, Jeff, and marking <laughs> some orders. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's got to be a challenge. Got to be a challenge. We'd all we'd be in the same boat. Absolutely. So, is there any advice you'd have for somebody moving from one department to another? Stuff, something you do different next time, or you you would say work on this. I was working on this, and I didn't even see this coming. Is, is any advice? Um soak it all in it's 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 really hard you know when i came on it was hey we're gonna do a five-day week of just going through policies meeting with hr doing all that onboarding stuff and uh 
by day three, we realized we had a staffing problem and there was no battalion chief. (laughs) (laughs) So I quickly volunteered to take that day. Absolutely. (laughs) So, uh, it's just continue to learn the process. And that's one thing at, at three months on, I'm still not there. I still get to the end of the day and go, you didn't get this done on your list. And the policies are right now my weak spot. Um, uh, Moorhead, like other departments, has a online learning portal. And uh, I was complaining to the chief the other day at how they said, please sit down and read all the city of Moorhead policies. It'll take you a half an hour. <laughs> and I went, you got to be kidding me. There's <laughs> there's a million policies. This is not a half an hour. So I sat down. I was like, oh, this should be quick. And then I opened up the thing and it was just policy after policy after policy. And that's what the city form actually has on there. Oh, <laughs> He's yeah. not the first person to to go through that. You don't have it all on target solutions. You just take a, take a test and stuff. Well, you know, there's, <laughs> they're not all in one place either. So the city of Moorhead has their own policies that are on a portal site of sure. theirs that are done a yeah. little more like HTML. And then um, we've purchased Lexipol to help manage our policies. So, you know, we only have two or three policies since we have Lexipol. So there's there's a lot of work there to go through and figure out where we're at. And then we still, on top of that, have our own locally developed SOPs that we keep separately in a different area. Sure. Because Lexipol is good for policies. It's harder for things that you want to be nimble or quick and cut and paste. And so... We haven't migrated those over from where they were at, just individual Word documents on a different, on a SharePoint site. Um, yeah. And so that's got to be a huge challenge in figuring out what's the right priority, what's the right order for all of them. Oh, and learn the union contracts too, and make sure that we're following the contracts. Yeah. Did you have a what? Doing all that. First, first what? and foremost. Union, union contracts? First and foremost. Yeah. Oh, he said that's the thing we weren't going to talk about tonight. That's okay. <laughs> make sure you know the union contract. <laughs> yeah. And you can... You know, you can lead or manage people by trying to do the right thing with people universally from place to place. You still have the cultural issues that will be a problem. Fire still behaves the same way, more or less, given all the inputs, but expectations of how you're going to approach it. So I I don't claim to know how Fargo is doing things, but I'm I'm assuming it's a lot more. Um, 801, their engine one, do this. 802, do that next driving truck, do this, then do that. And you've got my four or five tasks done. And with our crews, it's, you've got two things you can do. (laughs) And then you've got some people on the outside who maybe can help. But so our crews are, we're always thinking with smaller resources that time is our enemy and we have to get an immediate hit on the fire because if we don't stop it when it's small, we're not stopping it until it's taken the building. And so that does change our thinking. I, I don't even think about how it changes our thinking. Um, I was talking to uh, somebody else the other day. We've got railroad tracks in front of our station, um, uh, two different railroad crossings, three sets of tracks, and two of them are the main line that go between Chicago and Seattle. And there's a lot of shipping that goes along that line. And our very first consideration from the day you start at that fire station is when you're opening the door, look for the train. And if you don't see a train, go across the tracks immediately and then decide whether to go left, right, or straight and start working your way to the fire. You don't take the shortest route. You get across the tracks first because if you get stuck on the wrong side of the tracks, you're going to be screwed. And I I don't even think about that anymore. But um, the person I was talking to and another um, uh, civilian had no clue that that would be a consideration. It was actually a reporter and the thought... I, yeah, she was really struggling with the fact that you you just think that way. Oh, absolutely. 
and you look for five or six different cues from when you first get the call to where you're finally up to that intersection because right up to the last intersection before things go on, if you see the white light start flashing, you might make a completely different decision now because you know you either can or can't get through this intersection before you get trapped and can't get turned around at the gates. And it's just one of a thousand examples about how that's culturally important to us and other departments might handle it differently. But again, it's not written down there, but, and, and we're doing that because we only have two engine companies. So you don't want that other engine company to be sitting there alone. Right. Yeah. Talked to somebody from Phoenix once too, and uh, they had come out and done some training with us about 15 years ago. And our guys were kind of feeling, yeah, this, this training is great. These, this command system you're talking about is great, but uh, uh, we don't have 54 engine companies from five different <laughs> departments in your automatic aid system, blah, 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 blah. So none of this makes any sense we're never going to do anything like this and you don't even know what it's like being here and the guy said well you see we got these things in phoenix called mountains though they're low mountains i know they don't have snow on them all the time but he said inside those mountains we got valleys that we build houses into until you can't build up them no more so we have parts of town where you get into this valley and you've got two fire stations that can show up in the first 20 minutes and that's it two engine companies that's all you got and then starting at 20 minutes into the incident, you get a third and 30 minutes into it, you get four more. Yeah. And so, no, we've got crews that have to fight fire exactly the way you do in a, in a big metro organization that has, you know, 60 engines or whatever they've got, something you just can't conceive of. So, Excellent. I think, uh, I think we've drained Matt uh, for the majority of this time. Yeah, we've saved all the politically charged things for the next show when he'll be finally acclimated and doesn't have to worry about political When he drops a hammer on Christmas Eve (laughs) with the department, yeah. No, No, I guess, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have any advice for Matt, but I, I, uh, some advice I like to throw out is, you know, lead, lead people, but, and, you know, lead people, but sometimes use words. So be out there, be out front, uh, be there for them. Um. You're not in charge. You're in charge of the people, right? You're, you know, that's important. I think to remember that um, individuals in the department are the most important thing. Any advice, Craig? I can't get shake and bake out of my head. Shake and bake. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Just winging it. I think Just that ties into while. Jeff's deal with the railroad yeah. and getting across the tracks. <laughs> yeah, Before I know. I like we always laugh about fake it till you make it, but that's not true. Uh, you still have. You still, no matter the. No, no matter the size of your department, you still have objectives, right? So, you know, know your objectives, what you want to accomplish, and, and then use your manpower uh, accordingly. That's all you can really do. Yep. Chief, you got you got some advice for I'm sure you've thrown tons of advice for Matt. But. Oh, I have all the answers, of course. <laughs> uh, just ask me. Uh, we'll talk about the chief later, Matt. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would say be kind, be open, be direct, and seek input. You know, and if if you have the communication piece down and people feel that you genuinely care and you are concerned about um, them and their needs and learning what the culture is, as well as bringing in things that might be different, because really you want you want the mix when you have new people in your organization. Even when we're hiring firefighters, we want new people with new ideas and fresh perspectives. And we also want you to respect the culture and join into what the team has decided is important. So, yeah, when you're walking through that, uh, be communicating and asking for help and advice as well as giving it when something seems a little strange or just presenting the idea that this seems strange to me. And here's why it seems strange to me. 
because we can all always use uh, a dose of outside perspective from whatever Absolutely. department yeah. we're in. Uh, it's so easy to get locked into the things that we're doing. I, I do it all the time. It's great. <laughs> so that's, that's some free advice, Matt. How about, do you have any advice for us? As a brand new battalion chief walking in, what do you have advice for? Uh, you have some, you know, administration sitting on the table here. No, just the, the biggest thing that I've always said from me making the transition from, I just got off the truck to now I'm managing as a BC. So don't forget, don't forget what it was like to ride that truck. <laughs> it comes up a lot and I'll tell the guys this time and time again. It, it is very hard when you're on that truck to see decisions made where you feel like you're not heard. Right. That's the biggest thing. And then we're in a challenging time. I mean, we could spiral this into a whole another hour <laughs> of topics, but we're in a challenging time of, if we want to talk for another hour, I'm bringing up union stuff, Matt. All right. Well, <laughs> now look at the time. Got to go. Got to run. <laughs> no, that's great advice. I think we all uh, need to be reminded of that. You know, I mean, it's, I try to use the same logic in my head, but um, sometimes you get stuck at your office, stuck at your desk, and you forget what it's like to ride the truck. So. Very much. It's very important. Yeah. Or you appreciate take, that advice. Or you don't take the time to communicate back your your perspective of what it was like being on the truck when you'd be faced with this decision and why you're yeah. thinking about it this way now. Right. And you might've been th thinking about it differently. And I will let, I will let you know, Matt, that the 10 years I've been a battalion chief, I've always thought what it was like to be on the truck. Some people might not agree with me, uh, my words and actions, but I've never forgotten that. And I think that goes for most administration too. Absolutely. Yeah. The, one of the hardest things that I'm seeing with that transition is my perspective because it's vastly different. <laughs> it's vastly different, you know, um, run volume here versus run volume in Fargo. It's wildly different. Yeah. And, and so I have a different perspective coming in. I have to try and learn the perspective where I'm at right now. Um, and that's, that's, that's hard because I don't have that opportunity to learn how and why they do things when I step into that leadership role. Yeah. So it's a very much slow down, take it all in and ask questions. <laughs> let's, let's see, can somebody explain the history behind uh, why this is done the way it is? Right. Um, it's very helpful to me besides just going, this is dumb. You know, I, you have to, <laughs> you have to try and under, you have to try and right. understand it. I think in a lot of cases, you don't know until you actually ask right. and somebody explains it to you. And that, that's mm -hmm. one of my frustrations with myself included is, is I maybe don't explain the why enough. And so I'm, I've been working on that for years. I got to explain why. Uh, and I, if you don't understand the why it's going to look stupid, right. but if you understand why and you understand, Oh, I never even thought of that, or I didn't know about this element of this or this piece of it, now it makes sense. And so I, I encourage people to please ask why. I know it, it sounds repetitive, but ask why. I, I don't mind anybody calling me anytime. Hey, why are we doing this? And from my viewpoint, if I don't have an answer other than I don't know, one, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure it out right. and I will get you the answer. But in most cases, it's not that I don't know. It's that I will have a reason. And if I don't have a reason, then we need to look at it 
and let's let's do this for a good reason or in a manner that there's a reason for it or not do it then. Uh, and, and so th- those are those things that I think we've addressed a lot of them over the years. Not naive enough to think that there aren't some things we still do that there might not be a whole lot of logic or reason to. Let's ask why. Ask why and we'll address it. Why is always a, a good question. That is hardly. Uh, I don't like. I don't like my. You know, I, my kids are older now, but when they were five, they kept asking me why, and you just push them down. But um, <laughs> I always preach have adult conversations. Uh, so mm-hmm. give your side of it, and then listen to the other side, and and truly listen. It's not easy. It's not easy, but have adult conversations. And, and I'll tell you right now, some of the people that have asked those questions that we haven't had good answers to have created some of the some of the best changes we've made because yeah. mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't, I know we're not perfect. I know. Yeah. So, wow, I never thought it. let's do that. Let's make, cause that's the other thing is we're all trying to make the department better. Right. Everybody from the newest firefighter to the chief, you're trying to make the organization better. You want to make it better. So if, if we don't have a reason for what we're doing or why <laughs> we're doing it, well then let's, let's either find a reason or stop doing it. Let's, I mean, yeah. let's, let's logically address this. And that's, again, where a lot of the improvements or changes we've made have come from is people just simply asking, why, well, why do we do this when we could do this? And you kind of go, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Gets a little tough. I mean, one of the one of the first weeks I was there, one of the senior firefighters was not happy with some policy talk. He said, just tell me why. Yeah. So that's all we want to know is why. I was like, I get it. But I've also explained this job as you have to be a lawyer ready to argue <laughs> and a persuasive speaker. Yeah. Um, because, like I said, yeah. that 150 years of tradition, um, firefighters don't take change very well. And so even though in your mind it's a different, better solution, it doesn't go over well. Right. That, that's the other thing I think that ties into the why that I've been trying to do a lot more the last few years is, I'm going to get people involved in it so they have ownership Mm -hmm. of it and and then they understand it. So then where I don't necessarily get, I mean, again, that's the problem with a a bigger department is now you have how many crews, how many shifts, how many stations to communicate for anybody in the fire service is one of the most difficult things because right off the bat, we have geography against us. We have shift work against us. So it's, it's not, that you're a good or bad fire department. It's just, that's the way fire departments are set up. So it's harder to communicate. And if we can get people involved, then they get a say in it. Then they understand how it works, why it works. And it makes it better, I think, in a lot of ways. But now they also can talk. You have more people to explain why we're doing it, how we're doing it amongst the shifts, amongst the stations, uh, instead of uh, one person downtown knows about it and that's it. Right. <clears throat> that's that's the other thing I've learned. Communication. Communication's big. And it's not communication on the fire ground because that's its whole separate yeah, different. Yeah. It's what did you guys talk about at the chief's meeting? Then make sure it gets disseminated and make sure it gets yeah. out there accurately before the rumors and 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 that stuff happens. And that that's one of the things I've been telling people <laughs> lately too is we really tell them everything. The only stuff that, that we won't share is stuff that we're not sure about yet. And we don't share that because it spreads rumors. And if it doesn't come true, then it sets you up for problems. But if we know it's it's a done deal, something's a done deal, it's not a secret. Right. 
mm-hmm. that and uh, personal issues, personality. Yeah, and personality. Yeah, we can't <laughs> say, we can't share personal issues, right? But everyone wants to know, but you can't. But when we make department changes or yeah. something's coming down the pipeline, whether it be from the city or somewhere else, no, as soon as we know it's a done deal, then we're going to say something. Yeah. We're going to explain it. Well, that's uh, um, we've just gave them all the advice we actually know, and Matt gave us some good advice back. And I appreciate you coming on it and giving us uh, your perspective of uh, a new battalion chief for one, uh, switching departments for two. Those are those are great things. So I think uh, you're probably not the only one out in the country that's done that, obviously. But um, this is good advice for people that maybe are looking at that, uh, moving on to that. So. Uh, We've been friends for 20 years, but once again, congratulations. I think it's a big step, and uh, I definitely do not uh, blame Morad Fire for uh, hiring you. I think you're an outstanding individual. So good luck. Uh, I know my phone's always available. Uh, I know there's other people out there and across the country. Reach out and, and ask for opinions and get some advice. All right. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Um, I didn't look at the schedule ahead of time, but it's possible we're not back till after the holidays. But so, I got I got Christmas plans I want to be involved in. Christmas plans for this show. So, oh well, we'll yeah. we'll Does do it involve a sure Santa we, suit. It might. It might. It might. A lot of presents. Does it involve a tour, <laughs> and a lot of remote location. A lot of presents. <laughs> well, the YouTube option with the YouTube option with the show brings a whole new set of possibilities <laughs> we hadn't thought about before. I'll tell you that. It might be just me by myself, but I'll be on here. Sure. And it has removed several visual cues we used to be able to give each other that maybe we don't want to do while we're on the air right, and on it. camera and all that kind of stuff. So and we're going through our own transition, Matt. So stop talking about your whiny transition yeah, problems. All you about have. you. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, well, well thank, good. thanks for tuning in to another episode. Um, take care of each other. Um, communicate with each other, I guess, and stay safe. All right, stay have safe. A, have a good one. Good night. Welcome to Tailboard Talk with Chris Rasmussen, Craig Nelson, and Jeff Wallen. Every month we explore different topics of interest to you, our cohorts in fire and emergency services. So whether you sit back and listen, sound off on the message board, or call in live to be part of the conversation, we welcome you to join us in our mission to improve the fire service for those we serve and those we serve us The Fire Store, equipping protectors with passion. Every decision the Fire Store makes as a company is about its customers. As the holiday season has quickly approached, explore a wide selection of unique and practical gifts at the Fire Store's gift center. Find the perfect presence for firefighters, EMTs, and first responders today. The Fire Store's goal is to get you the gear you need when you need it at prices you can afford. Visit thefirestore.com for everything but the truck and shop its family of brands including Streamlight, MSA, Lion, Fleer, and more.